There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and alongside me, Jared Kimber. Looking back at all the action from the Aegeus Bowl in day four of the third test match between England and Pakistan, you're listening to following on. Well, by now you know Pakistan are still fighting. 100 for two at Stumps on a day which only saw 56 overs of action. Abid Ali uh, top scoring with 42. Uh, Azhar Ali, his first inning centurion, still there at Stumps with 29. And Jimmy Anderson, now one wicket away from 600 as uh, England were made to toil as conditions eased in and around the rain showers. Right, let's get on with the show. Story of the day. Okay, Jared. Well, I mean, we're kind of where we were yesterday, really. Pakistan batted well, though, I thought, today. Um, Conditions seemed to ease. It was a little flat out there. Um, Maybe things would have been different if Joss Butler hadn't dropped that catch. But we could talk about that on lull of the day, because I think it might get a mention. No, I'm no joking. We can talk about that now. But really, I thought fair play to Pakistan, because there's no chance of them winning the test. They're not going to win the series, but they kept at it. Yeah, I think the pitch is... It's not like it was ever a minefield, although it obviously at times uh, it was slightly in favour of the bowlers. Um, but probably from the point where Butler and Crawley took over, there's always been something a little bit in it for the bowlers. Um, but you had to bowl very well um, in a sustained manner to get it. And it seems that, that is, uh, there's less and less of that, John, as we go on. And there were times today when it looked very, very flat. Um, Obviously, England are still well in control and a very big chance of winning the game. But I did think if this was day five, I think we would have seen some pretty good comedy bowling on a pitch like that today with uh, perhaps everyone would have had a chance of bowling. You know, um, that was the kind of pitch it felt like and the kind of day it felt like, if I'm being completely honest. How different would this test feel if it had been Pakistan who'd won that first test match? You know, it would have. They would have been really battling hard. They're battling hard now, but there would have been a lot more jeopardy attached to things. As it is, 
it's almost as much about Jimmy Anderson getting 600 wickets as it is about anything else. And of course, Pakistan draw the match, they still lose the series. I think that if that was the situation before we had the World Test Championship, England may not have even uh, followed on, especially with Pakistan making over 200. They, you know, they're one nil up. So there is that, I suppose. And it does keep, uh, you know, it does give you something, but there's never going to be as much context on England or a team winning a series or drawing a series as there is on the World Test Championship results once we sort of know what's happening in the series. I think that's probably fair. Like, you know, Pakistan are only just battling it out to not lose another test, which might give them a couple of extra points, but it's not quite the same yet. And maybe we'll feel differently about it if the World Test Championship is ever run correctly and goes on for 10 years. But as it stands at the moment, yeah, Pakistan winning that first test would change everything. But context in life, John, is just so important. Mm. I was listening to Goffey and he was, as as many people were saying, watching England struggle, you know, Don Bess, um, you know, Mark Wood not actually playing in this test match. And England have been in this position, as of many teams, when the pitch gets flat and the ball does too. You need something a little bit extra. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Adil Rashid's name has been mentioned again mm. uh, and actually was on this podcast by Steve Harmison. It seems to me a lot way before anybody else started mentioning it. But in the last four or five days, I know Chris Silverwood was asked about it. Joe Root was asked about it. You know, it's 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 essentially people desperately trying to conjure up a new angle. But we've been here before with England. Um, you need some, you need something, something extra. And for all the Chris Wokes, Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson's and right arm over Joffre Archer, that, this is the kind of time in the game when it's really, really, really visible. And you're like, oh, hang on again. When we left the Ashes, when we left Australia in 2017-18, we said we were never going to allow ourselves to get into this position again. And we seem to have got ourselves in this position again. Yeah, I think some in some cases, it's just, it's going to happen at any test bowling attack. I mean, we, we saw it happen to Shane, uh, you know, a Shane Maunglin McGrath team um, at times. Sometimes the pitch just, dries up and there's nothing you can do. Very interestingly, uh, a few years ago when I was working with the T20 franchise, we really wanted Adil Rashid uh, because of his bowling, but also because in T20 franchise cricket, we think he's been, he'd been underused as a batsman. And our theory was to use him as a pinch hitter, uh, as a batsman, because he hits balls in, what do they say? Uh, uncon- uh, unconventional areas, <laughs> which I think means he hits a lot of inside edges for four. But Essentially, we had our eye on him. And I said, well, he has just been brought back into the England team. And this coach, who obviously uh, is a former international player, as almost all of them are, just went, yeah, but England will ruin him. He'll be upset with them soon and leave. Um, And and of course, that's kind of what happened not that long afterwards. They kept him around the one-day team a little bit longer. Um, They don't really... The thing with leg spin is, I think we might have even talked about this on the podcast. There was a young journalist, cricket journalist, writing early on in the series saying how Yassir Shah was overrated and how he wasn't as accurate um, as people thought he was. Sometimes I just think people don't actually understand what leg spin is. Like maybe because we grew up in a Shane Warne, Anil Kumble, even Mushtaq Ahmed era, uh, we, we think that leg spin is this, you know, Stuart, Stuart McGill took 200 test wickets and I'm not sure he could land the ball in the same place three balls in a row. And he was a phenomenally talented leg spinner. And Yassir Shah, again, is a phenomenally talented leg spinner. Anil Rashid is... That similar kind of thing. He may not even be as good as those guys, which is fair. And we saw Imran Tahir struggle in test level as well. 
But if, if that's what you want, if you want at point of difference, you almost have to ride the good days and the bad days with it. And you also have to understand that when Adil Rashid plays against India, it may not go his way. They have very good plays of leg spin. I, in, those, in those sorts of situations, I understand it. I'd, I'm just not sure that it's a strength that they need to, to go with. And if they think that Don Bess is a good fielder and a good bloke and a good number eight, I can understand why they may be more interested in Don Bess than they would be in someone like Adol Rashid. But on days like this, it's lovely to fantasize. Moment of the day. Well, the first moment of the day came before play uh, as Abid Ali and Shamasud walked out onto the fields. We were wrong yesterday. Azarelli yeah. didn't have to open up. We, I love this about cricket. I suppose people can criticise. But I, I, one of the reasons I love cricket so much is that even after all these years of watching it, I learned something new. Yeah, it's a weird one. I, I didn't quite um, I follow it that closely after last night. But uh, clearly he hadn't actually made it to the middle and they weren't facing up. And I think it was, isn't it because the umpires... The umpires haven't said play. Basically. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's like it. they hadn't hadn't got to that point. I would have thought once you walked out on the ground, because in any other situation, once you walk out on the ground, I would like. It, let's say it, you send out an opening batsman in T Twenty, and then you suddenly realise you got it wrong. I don't think you can just yank him off um, when he's already out in the middle. But perhaps there's just there's there's not even a, a you know a condition for that because it's not something that has happened in T Twenty cricket. Although we talked about yesterday, I think it will happen in T Twenty cricket going forward. So. It's very, very interesting to me that that happened. Also, Shah Massoud, I think it's worth talking about him because he is literally, you know, one of the few things that actually happened today. <laughs> Shah Massoud is, um, has gone off and, you know, we've talked about it a lot, spent all this money, spent all this time, spent all this effort on making himself the absolute best test cricketer he can. And one of those things has been, well, the main thing really when it comes to test cricket has been conquering the ball outside off stump. He makes 150. Everyone sings his praises and goes, look what you can do with hard work and determination and some common sense. And then, of course, then he, now he's gone out a couple of times LBW in a row and everyone's like, well, he's got a weakness on the stumps. But, but that's brilliant, isn't it? That is the beauty of test cricket because he corrected one element to his game and it took Jimmy Anderson one match to go, <laughs> all right, I'll just bowl at your pads. <laughs> I'll just bowl in swingers at your pads, mate. Also, how much does Shan Masood love a review? I mean, it was fair enough today, but the one in first innings, oof. Yeah, I saw some people being angry with with the ones that they thought that golf was a bit unfair. I think we've been conditioned to not believe that. um, Do you you remember, I I think I've written about this recently. Do you remember in the 90s and early 2000s? I do. If you were leaving the ball from a seamer and it hit your pad, you were out. You were out. (laughs) I mean, there's a great bit of commentary. I talked about this with um, Kartik, who works for Craig Info once on on a podcast. Sorry, works for Craig Info. But we talked about it on a podcast recently where if you go back and you listen to some of those old LB decisions, listen to the commentators. They're literally saying, well, should have used your bat. You know, maybe it wasn't the best decision, but that's what you got your bat for. We don't do that anymore. Like, it's very rare to get a, what I would call a, a triggering LBW when you leave the ball from Seamers because when DRS came in, umpires were getting embarrassed over and over and over again. And it's really changed the way we give LBWs when batsmen are leaving. That one today, to me, felt like a bit of an old school one where I was like, when I first saw it, I did not think that was hitting the stump. Obviously, I didn't realise. I thought, you know, um, Illingworth was umpiring. I didn't realise that was Goff's end. So clearly he knew. He just sensed. He felt it in his bones that that was hitting the stumps. Where, you know, at the other end, Illingworth was like, that's stumped. Um, 
so you know you're in a you're in a position where it just felt so weird it was like a little bit of a 90s uh, call I, I felt good felt like uh, you know we should watch um ferris bueller or something and listen to pearl jam hmm. was, ferris <laughs> was ferris bueller the 90s was that the 80s no ferris bueller was the 80s pearl jam was the 90s i probably didn't just. i did, probably didn't watch ferris bueller myself until the 90s so so i feel that that is that maybe furbies can i talk about furbies did you have furbies over here no yeah it doesn't matter what's no, uh, my friend, uh, my friend Josh always says in, you should rephrase the question. It shouldn't be you shouldn't ask yourself the question: Would the ball have gone on to hit the stumps? You should ask the question: Would the ball have gone on to miss the stumps? And when you phrase it like that, it does. I don't know if, if somewhere there's a, a Buddhist monk just bombing. <laughs> when did this become the moral philosophy podcast? <laughs> well. You know, we've really got to uh, aim it, for... It is one of those days, isn't it? There's quite a lot of cricket podcasts out there, so we need to do something different. And but, that, but also, if there's going to be any day where we start talking about moral philosophy in the LBW, it is clearly today. I mean, it was a dreadful day of cricket. I just felt myself like, <laughs> like, like my brain exploding and trying to like... I try and like find little things within the play to get myself back excited. And next thing you know, I'm looking up Ben Dunk's list A record. I'm writing an ode to Michael Goff using the Renegade TV theme on, on Twitter. Like you can't focus on a day like that. No, no, no one can. Uh, all I'll say is day three and four of the last test was better than today. And we didn't have any play. <laughs> Shot of the day. I can't remember. I can't think of a single shot of the day. Do you know what? I had one in my mind. Thinking, I thought Sean might make some runs today. Not a lot, but I thought he might get a 50 or a 60. And he played a really nice on drive at one stage. And I was like, I'm going to keep that for when he makes a couple of runs. And now I'm just like, it wasn't even that good an on drive. Like, I don't even know why I remember. <laughs> I don't, you know, it, I only remember it because there's nothing else to remember. It's that, it's that shot. I feel, look, we're probably doing it a disservice. I thought Azza Ali played a really good forward defense at one stage. <laughs> And I love the way that Abid Ali just lets himself get hit a lot. Ball of the day. I, I got ball of the day. I, I got you there. When Jimmy Anderson became enforcer, when he was so frustrated at everything that was going on, Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson decided to be Neil Wagner. And I'm just going to bounce out Abid Ali because at least then it won't go to the keeper or the slips and it'll bob up in the air and these doofuses won't be able to drop that, is what he thought. Unfortunately for him, he didn't get one. Lol of the day. I tell you what, it's just as well that Shane Warne wasn't doing radio commentary because if he was commentating when Joss Butler had dropped that catch earlier on in the day, the listeners would have thought that essentially the moment the ball had taken the outside edge, it had turned into this out-of-control firework that was twisting and turning, dipping and diving, and then eventually Shane Dowrich stole bursting um, through the gloves and Joss Butler would have done well just to get his body behind it. That was how he described it. And then thankfully, about 20 minutes later, Mike Aston came on comms and just said, and Joss Butler dropped a regulation catch. Because to... that's what it was. I was watching. I, I love Warren, but I was watching the ball do very little after it took the edge. And the way he was describing it, it was like, whoa, look at that. The sea moving. Now there's swing. Whoa, then it, then it goes so fast. Oh, he did well, yada, yada. So Warren's ability to defend a, a 
friend, teammate, someone involved in his franchise, someone involved in his agencies, someone who really likes him a lot, is next level. To the point where I'm going to tell you a story that he said today, and you probably, I think it was today or yesterday, but you wouldn't have even picked it up because it was such a small thing. He was talking about the T20 squad. He's talking about Riley Meredith. Now, I don't know if you've seen Riley Meredith when you've been watching the Big Bash, but he's a young um, Tasmanian quick. He's pretty quick. He's, he's not a bad bowler. He'd be an interesting T20 bowler. Um, I mean, there's a lot of better bowlers, I think, in Australia at the moment, but he just, I think he's bowled well enough to deserve his spot. But Shane Warne, when talking him up, literally said the phrase, I haven't even met him or anything. I don't know him at all, but he's a really good bowler. And he said that because everyone else he talks up, John, he does. Know. He knows. He has a personal <laughs> relationship with. I mean, he seems to know everyone in Zach Crawley's family. Um, with Josh Butler, how many times when he does the the um, uh, the third band chair does he talk about Josh Butler? I remember back in the day, he was the exact same when he had he brought Shane Watson to Hampshire, and suddenly Shane Watson could do no wrong, and he's like that all the time. And I remember talking to Mark Nicholas, who wrote Shane Warne's book once and we were talking about the difference in captaincy and how they were perceived by the public uh with um, michael michael clark and ricky ponty and he said yeah ricky ponty made a real error not sucking up to uh, <laughs> all the channel nine guys whereas michael clark did great and i said what about warren he goes no they were already friends he didn't have to suck up to him and it was like <laughs> everything that warren says about someone he has a relationship is so you have to like put it through your your, your brain to a certain point Here's my favorite. Here's my favorite Shane Warne fact for you. When he wrote his before he wrote his hundred best players book that he played with or against, he did an article for one. I think it might have been the Times for the fifty greatest players that Shane Warne had had ever played with or against. And at number forty eight was Darren Berry. Now, I grew up idolizing Darren Berry to a to a ridiculous, and I love I love him to this to this moment. I think he was, if not the best wicketkeeper I've ever seen, then in the top three. I've ever seen. But he had Adam Gilchrist at like number 70 or something in the original list. (laughs) I'm just saying he plays favourites. Anodyne press conference moment of the day. Well, it was a Chris Silverwood kind of day. Couple of guys to sort of come out tomorrow, put the best foot forward. and finish how I think we've played the whole series, you know, I mean, the, the, the two series put together. I'm very proud of how they've handled themselves. Um, being locked up for, what is it, best part of 10 weeks in the bubble. Um, and I think their attitude, um, their effort during that time has been absolutely fantastic. So, you know, I mean, for me, for us to come out and finish strong tomorrow, uh, and obviously to see Jimmy get his 600 test wicket, it would be fantastic. What is going to happen tomorrow? So it's day five of this test match. All but one of the six test matches have gone to the fifth day this summer. Um, And we're going to have to wait five months till we see any more test cricket involving England. But what's going to happen on day five at the Aegeus Bowl, Jared Kimber? I haven't looked at the weather report. Should I? It's terrible. It's terrible. So it's basically forecast to rain till about one o'clock, two o'clock, I think. Oh, God. Uh, you would think with if, if, if Pakistan can lose half the day through weather, they're in a very good position to draw this game, considering the pitch, considering the fact that England are bowling back-to-back, although it is slightly negated by the amount of rain that we've had. They have had some rest. Um, you know, it's the end of six tests. 
Do you remember when England were going to rotate all their bowlers and then they just, ah, we'll pick all the good ones. <laughs> um, so I think, I think with that, <laughs> looking at the pitch and, and listening to your weather, uh, I think Pakistan are in a very good position to be able to draw this. I don't, also don't believe, though, it will take too much for Pakistan to completely wilt and fold, especially if England do get a good chance of bowling in the morning when I think the pitch might be at its most helpful. Well, I'm going to go for a draw. Um, I don't think there'll be enough time. Although England will probably have that second new ball. Um, I'm going to tip uh, a draw and England win the series. So, um, so yeah, there we have it. We'll find out. You're on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with Steve Harmison. Hopefully calling home uh, a lot more interesting that... Look, if Chris Silverwood speaks after day five, then we really know that there's problems. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll be with Harmy, Jared Kimber and Steve Harmison. Uh, looking back at the Pakistan series as a whole, um, between six and seven on Talk Sport 2, and the following on podcast will be back, of course. But for now, thanks for listening on ACAST, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And this has been the following on podcast. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 